Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. We have a new Teacher Says is our episode today. In this series, we ask many veteran grapeseed teachers a couple of questions about practical teaching tips or just good ideas for running a grapeseed program smoothly. Keep in mind that these are the opinions of the teachers themselves. They are sharing what they have learned has worked for them through years of self-reflection. Something that works for one teacher may not work for another. These tips are meant to give you ideas on what to do or to inspire your own journey of self-reflection. In this episode, you will hear from Aaron, Will, Bruno, and Matthew. Let's get started. Number one, how do you store the grapeseed materials at your school? Yeah, we keep the materials in the boxes they come in. Uh, we have lots of materials and lots of boxes. So I find keeping the materials in the boxes helps preserve the materials over many years of use and storage. We have a closet that's just dedicated to storing all of our grapeseed materials. And inside the closet, we also have one of those big steel racks. I'll, I'll try to explain the system as best as possible. It's much easier with pictures, but I'll, I'll do my best. On this steel rack, there's dedicated spots we keep the active unit boxes. Anytime we're teaching eight different units, so we've got eight different spots for each of the different classes. So say for the four-year-old class classes, they start in unit one. We'll keep the unit one boxes in this dedicated spot that's it's dedicated for the four-year-old classes. And then when they move to the unit two, we'll now switch out the unit two box to where the unit one box was. And then we'll just move the unit one box to a storage place somewhere else with the same closet and the steel rack. And that way, whatever current unit boxes we are using, they're always in the same place. It's always, this class is always right here. This class is always right here. So that's with storing the materials. Going a little deeper into that, we also have a system of how we store the materials inside the box. That we've got many different teachers using the same boxes and things like that. So if all of the materials are just mixed up, it can be a bit more time consuming for a teacher looking for a specific material. And having the materials stored with a system, I think it helps the teacher treat the materials with more respect and with more care. And again, we're using these materials year after year. So we don't want them to become really torn apart after using it through one school year. We want them to remain in really good condition over the years. So it's important for teachers to treat the materials with care. So with the system in the boxes, we keep the poems on the bottom and they're on the very bottom. For some of the units, maybe there's a shared reading, the let's start reading cards. So those go on top of the poems. After that, we'll have the stories of the units. After the stories, I'll put in the big books. They act as a nice divider. And then after the big books, we'll have the songs and chants. And then if there's any small cards like phonogram cards or the vocab picture cards, those will be on top. We have a big shelf, which we use to put all the units that we're using uh, at the moment. We actually have six classes going on at any given time. So we just put them. So on one side goes the materials, flashcards and lesson plans. And on the other side, we put writers and readers and stuff like that. So it's really easy to, to take, them, take them out and put them back in at the end of the day. And then we have another shelf, a bookshelf, which we use for storing boxes with the other materials that, the materials that we're not using 
at the time. So pretty simple. We have a master cabinet in another room where we keep all the materials because we have materials from one all the way through 40. They uh, We put them in their original boxes with the numbers on each one. They're stored in numerical order, so they're easy to take out. The teacher's materials, we don't just put the stories, songs, and all that. We also put the writers, the REP, the DVD, the CD, everything. It all comes in one package. Now, that's in that master cabinet, but in my classroom, I just have the units that I'm using at that particular time, and I have a few cupboards, and I store each material on a different shelf. The readers and writers, I store on separate shelves that are open, and that way they are easy to access for the students because I don't get it for them. They got to do it themselves, and so... Yeah, that's basically how we store our materials. Oh, CDs. I keep them near the CD player if you're using CDs these days. And the DVDs, I keep them near the DVD player. It's basically it. It writes itself. So at our school, the program has grown massively over the years. And because we're up to unit 40 with tons of classes, we actually have 184 sets of materials. So for that purpose, we've actually created a materials library. And this includes things like a sign-out sheet so that when teachers get the units out from the materials library, we know who has them and where they will have them. All the sets are lettered to keep track of them as best as possible. And when the teachers take them to the rooms, they'll store them in a box. But because of the amount that we have storing them in the boxes in the materials library became impossible. All large cards are ordered by type. So we have big books, songs, stories, etc., in that order. And we have card dividers to make sure that they don't get mixed up. All the smaller flashcards, printed lesson plans, teacher writers, manuals, and so on, we store in A4 zip cases. And that way we can kind of keep them in good condition over time until eventually they might need to be replaced. Next up, number two. How do you encourage students to speak in full sentences? I think I'm just going to regurgitate what all the grapeseed coaches always recommend. First, model the full sentences yourself all the time. If the students only give you one or two word answers, model the full sentence. And then if you think they're able to, have them repeat it after you. Over time, this can help them build the knowledge that you're looking for answers that are more than one or two words. And it'll also give them extra practice of saying that full sentence. And second, you should always praise students, even if they try to give you an answer, one word answer or incorrect answer, always praise them. But if they give you, if a student gives you a full sentence response, really praise them make it some really special praise for them. And giving that full sentence response a little special praise and making a big deal out of it will show the other students that those type of answers will make the teacher really happy. This is another kind of thought I had, uh, maybe not so much of encouraging them to speak full sentences, but rather just building to that over time. I think it's really important to build the habit of students using the full sentences from a young age, from when they first start entering into Grapeseed. I see this in my own teaching. I was not very good at this when I first started teaching Grapeseed. And I can see with my older classes, 
it's a lot harder to get them to speak in full sentences. But now, as I started to push full sentences on younger classes, as I continued teaching Grapeseed, those younger classes, now that they're getting to the higher units, it's a lot easier for them to say the full sentences. And they're doing it a lot more without me really pushing to them. So if you really focus on the beginning units of just building that habit of them saying a full sentence, it's going to be so much easier to continue that in the higher units. First and foremost, model the, the full sentence. So if, they, if you ask them a question and they, uh, they give you a one-word answer, you say, yeah, that's great. And then you, you model the, the, the full sentence for them. Another thing, if, if you're not asking them a question from the lesson plan, say you're just having a discussion, then another thing is to be aware of what they do and don't know and what they should and shouldn't know. So um, if what they're saying is above the level that, that they presently are in the Grapeseed program, then I, I wouldn't necessarily force them to say a, a complex sentence with the past tense, for example, if they're still in unit one. I might model it for them, but I'd more than likely just say, oh, that's great, and let them have it. Another thing that I like to do is to use uh, variations uh, of lyrics of songs. For example, if a child who's already started doing the I went to see my mother and teacher series, then and they say, oh, I go to Disneyland, then I can sing, oh, I went to Disneyland, like that. It's, it's great because all the grapeseed songs are designed for that. So it's, it's really easy to do most of the time. All right. This is a very good question. And it all starts when you are first starting grapeseed from a very young age. Because when, when, they're in, when they're four years old, I mean, this can even start in little seed if you're doing little seed. And at that point, kids can't speak in full sentences. So they'll give you answers. They'll say stuff. And you just repeat back what they're trying to say in a full sentence. Like, so a good example, unit four, there's the, I see colors everywhere. And you say, uh, what for the, I see colors everywhere, blah, 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 blah. And then you go, what color is the ball? And kids will often say pink. And then you say, oh, the ball is pink. And you repeat it back to them. And then you go through it. And eventually, by the end of the unit, you just, if they say pink, you say, at this point, my students know me. I go, yeah, huh? I kind of do this, like, motion with my hands, like, <laughs> like that. Like, a, in a circle, they kind of get, oh, the ball is pink. Uh, sometimes we'll do it where if we do that particular um activity i have them all stand up and i say what color is the ball and if a kid puts their hand up i go yes they go pink i go mm. a little more please and another kid will go the ball is pink i say great the ball is pink and at that moment every kid realizes oh full sentence is needed and they'll do that and usually at the end, you have a few stragglers left. And if they're not quite ready for it, I just get them to do it together. It's not a big deal. I tell them, good job. You know, you don't want them to feel like, oh, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> you, you want them to feel success. So, you know, it's, it's not a situation where you need them to everyone do it perfectly in a full sentence by themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's not a very good technique. Now, and as you go along, you just encourage the kids to speak 
in in longer sentences and you keep modeling longer sentences and you know if they get part of a sentence right you say great and then you repeat it back you know but as they get older and older you know if you're getting into grade three grade four then i will just straight up say i need more english please and that's it and they know and they expect that uh, they know what i expect and so they they do that because part of it is part of the whole system is also just like have a high expectation. So like if you constantly, and I, I always tell this to the other teachers here, I say, if you accept one word answers, they will always talk in one word answers. And, and, and the reality is when you speak, when you speak English, oftentimes you do give one word answers. I mean, that's, that's quite common. Oh, how are you doing today? Good. You know, but we want them to speak in full sentences. So that way it becomes a habit. And once they've got that habit, then they can break the habit. But until that point, we want to encourage that full sentence use. And again, I, when they're younger, I don't nitpick on particulars. If they say like, what color is the ball? And they say the ball pink. Okay. The ball is pink. I'll repeat the ball is pink. No problem. But as they get older, I, I want something a bit more correct, so I will correct them. And some teachers think that if you're constantly correcting, that it may have a detrimental effect. And maybe, but if you have a good relationship with your students, they'll know that it's fine. It's not a big deal. You correct them, they say it back again properly it'll be fine, you know? So there, there's a whole different, oh, there's a whole bunch of different aspects at play to get to that point. But if done properly, I, I think you can encourage it without students feeling like they're failures or making mistakes all the time, but instead like gaining success and becoming motivated. So firstly, if you're a grapeseed teacher and you don't remember what the functional notional approach is, it's time to bust out the teacher's manual and the training videos because that's really the key to all of this. So all too often I've seen new teachers and myself included when I started focusing so much on the notions and forgetting to help students understand and use the functions. I like to encourage the idea of sentences as an imperative expectation of students to have of their students. In saying this though, we always need to be aware that comprehension necessarily must come first. So pay attention to the progression laid out for you in the quick checks in the teacher's manuals and remember that it's okay that some of the language in the materials is just peripheral exposure that will be focused on more later down the line. So I guess play the long game when you're working with the students. I believe we should treat speaking in sentences as a normal thing early on. When I enter a class at any age, either just starting out or having fallen into bad habits of short one word answers, I'll lean more into praise and I'd imagine praise is going to be a common theme from other teachers. But I'd also say that once I can bring the class around to speaking more in sentences, I'll transition from that praise to more thanking them for using sentences and just generally making sure that that vibe of using sentences feels normal to all the students. With students starting out, you don't have many tools available to you to encourage sentence use other than modeling and praise and input, but those are very powerful tools. So I encourage people to be conscious of how you're using the sentences with the students. When a student can't use a certain sentence function, when you're speaking with them, don't force it out of them like part by part. I recommend instead reflecting on your input and using modeling. 
if you have to force a student to use a sentence, they're probably not ready to say that sentence. Make sure the sentence function you're expecting them to be able to use is one they're exposed to. And remember that not every function in a material is one that they're expected to use. One way you might reapproach it is to consider the language you're using in terms of stages of abstraction. If they can't answer about something outside of the class, make it about something inside of the class, like a prop in front of them. If they can't answer about the prop, bring it back to the exact sentence that's used in the material. And then if they can't answer still with that, then maybe you just need to go back to the input and look at the quality of what input they've been getting. Maybe that student hasn't had the pull to focus on that part of the material until now, or maybe you need to ask about the quality of their REP at home, or maybe it's just too early in the unit. Always a bunch of great answers. If you have any thoughts or even questions you would like us to address on future Teacher Says episodes, send them in to mailcarrier at grapeseed.com. As always, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends, goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.